All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 248. Pat Bev is a Laker. What the hell does that mean for Russell Westbrook? Chet Holmgren's out for the season. Drew and I are devastated. The top 10 most underrated players of the last decade. Who are they? And Drew goes to the mecca of golf courses. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 248. We've been on a bit of a hiatus. We actually have some news I cannot wait to talk about. Drew has been on his yearly golf trip. This is why we haven't been able to record for yeah. the past couple of days. But, Drew, did you did you have a good golf trip? Everything good? You got to see the homies? Yeah, man, it was good. Everyone, everyone was able to to fly in, and and I was able to drive this time. It was local to us. We were down in Coronado Island, uh, and it was a very good week. Uh, nice weekend, two rounds of golf in, um, and of course, a, a copious amounts of alcohol. Um, but yeah, man, very enjoyable. I am. I don't know. I, I think I'm still kind of feeling the hangover, uh, even though it's Monday and. Uh, but yeah, it was very, very enjoyable. Um, and, you know, you know, the homies. I mean, this is the fun part is, you you know, the fellows that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to meet. Well, you know, two of them really well. And you got to meet my other buddy at my wedding. And it's it's great because we're all like very similar, like right in the same golfing realm. Uh, that's <laughs> not true, Drew. You've been practicing for this. Well, I mean, I'm I enjoy getting out and getting better at golf. So I am I'm definitely I would say the number one golfer, but it's not, it's not a very wide margin between me and then like, you know, fourth place. Uh, but yeah, man, always a good, always a good hang with the, with the college buddies. And I mean, it's just, it's just gorgeous out here right now. So, you know, I got to take advantage of that, that uh, San Diego summer. That's true, man. Hey, we are 48 days away now. Oh, sorry. 51 days away from tip off. 51 days away. It's coming quicker than you thought, Drew. You, th- you, you thought it was going to be slower, but we're 51 <laughs> days away. Yeah. We finally had some breaking news this week, and I've been dying to talk to you about this, and people have wanted to hear our opinions on this because I don't think you know anybody that listens to our show or listens to basketball podcasts in general, there's nobody that talks more about Patrick Beverly that has talked more about Patrick Beverly than the follow-through with Clips and Drew. And what's crazy is this whole week now, like I, I'm, I'm going to call this out, man, like 90% of the media – and general NBA fans hate Patrick Beverly, have nothing nice to say about Patrick Beverly. And the fine, finally, we get this news that he's now become a Laker. And now all of a sudden, Patrick Beverly's like God's gift to <laughs> he's the savior. He's going to win titles for everybody. I can't stand some Laker fans. And I don't mean I know a lot of Laker fans listen to our show. Yeah. And I, I'm talking to you and you know who I'm talking to is those crazy Laker fans who have talked shit about Patrick Beverly uh, so much for so long. I have all the receipts, and I'll even hit up the homie Ricky Chu, who's got the receipts as well. And now everybody's like, oh, well, yeah, Pat Bev, we're going we're gonna to win a title now. Anyway, so he kind of laid the, the breadcrumbs, you know, this summer when he was on first take, right? Yep. That one week where he was on first take, 
He did he really, all the shows on ESPN. Every yeah. one of them. Yeah. Pat, Pat wanted all the smoke from everybody. Yep. And he laid the breadcrumbs. Bre breadcrumbs. Excuse me. Uh, you know, I'd love to play with LeBron James. Who wouldn't want to play with LeBron James? Okay. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Now, when Pat Bev got traded uh, to the Lakers for THT and Stanley Johnson, which I'm looking forward to talk about that as well. The first thing that came to my head, Drew, it wasn't all oh, fuck Patrick Beverly's a Laker. The first thing that came to my head was, wow, if this is not the biggest fuck you to Russell Westbrook, mm -hmm. I don't know what is. Like that is blatantly a stab in the back from the Laker organization. <laughs> all right. There are not two, there's only two other people that hate each other more than Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. And you know who those two are, Drew? Name them. I, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Spitgate. Spitgate. One of our best episodes ever, man. Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo. Rondo. This is like yeah. this is like the Phoenix Suns being like, you know what? We could really use a backup point guard. Let's bring in Rajon Rondo, right? <laughs> no, this is true, man. Like two people couldn't hate each other more. Now, the difference between Russell and Pat is having experienced Patrick Beverly for four years, no kind of knowing his persona yeah. and how he acts. I could guarantee you that Pat Bev would walk into the Laker locker room and give daps to Russell Westbrook and be like, all right, team, teeny, we're ready to play. Right. Yeah. All right, homie, let's get this chip. I don't see it the same way for Russell. So before mm -hmm. we unpack all of this, I want to get your take first on, you know, all summer we're set on Kyrie. It's Kyrie or bus Kyrie. And we go from Kyrie to Patrick Beverly. What was your first take on that? Being My a Laker first, fan. So the first thing that I heard, I, again, this was during, like, I think day day two of the golf trip. So I was pretty, I think it was probably the evening time when I actually realized that Pat, Pat Beverly had become a Laker. Uh, and my first reaction was kind of positive because I thought it means that we're still working on a, a Russell Westbrook trade, which was my initial reaction. It was like, this is good news because it probably means that we're still trying to get Russell out of here because of what you just brought up because of their pre-existing relationship. And because I don't think that they will operate well on the floor together, <laughs> but that's, that's, you know, a whole nother conversation. Um, I like the addition of Patrick Beverly. I think it, he's going to bring something that we need as far as the defensive end. And honestly, his three point shooting has been pretty solid over the last couple of seasons. Um, even last year, I think he was at 34%. Um, and the years previous to that, it was higher all the way up to 40% in one season there. Um, let me just make sure that's correct. Yeah. So last year for Minnesota, 34.3. And then with the Clippers, 39, 38, 39, 40% with the Clippers. And that's at, at least three and a half attempts a game all the way up to five in one season. So these are, that's good for what the Lakers need where they need Pat Bev to be able to catch and shoot some threes and hit them at a decent clip. Um, the part that I really struggled with was when I found out that we, had, <laughs> it wasn't like some sort of buyout, which is what I thought was going to like, I thought Utah had bought out Pat Bev's contract and the Lakers signed him on like a one or two year men, men deal. But for us to have traded away, <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson to get Patrick Beverly leaves me scratching my head yet, yet again. It's like, okay, my, once I was able to process that, my, my thought is this, this is the Lakers front office admitting that we fucked up with Alex Caruso. 
hundred percent. We chose THT over Alex Caruso and everyone's like, Oh, we're going to back the kid who's younger. He's got a more offensive upside, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't have a great season. Matter of fact, it has a pretty bad season, takes a step back. And now we have to trade him and Stanley Johnson to get somebody like Patrick Beverly when we should have just kept Alex Caruso this whole goddamn time. Okay. So that's, that's my overarching thought is that this is the Lakers admitting that we screwed up in keeping THT instead of Alex Caruso. Now, what I want to do real quick, just for everybody is just give a quick update on who's actually on the Lakers. Like who's, who, who, who are the Lakers right now? We know that there's LeBron James. We know Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook are there. Now Patrick Beverly outside of that, dude, Austin Reeves is coming back from last year. Kendrick Nunn is coming back from last year and hopefully will play a minute this season. Then we have Lonnie Walker, Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, Damian Jones, Wenyon Gabriel, Max, Max Christie, and Scottie Pippen Jr. That's it. That's the Lakers roster right now. So what I know is, is that we're not done. We need, we need to fill out some spots. So I'll be interested to see what this looks like. And the hopeful Laker fan in me is like this this should mean that we're moving forward with potentially uh picks loaded or you know mediocre player loaded uh trade package for russell westbrook that's my hope okay but like so the pipe dream is that somehow the next move is going to be healed and turner for westbrook but i don't see that happening the only reason i don't see that happening is a if you're bringing in patrick beverly because of the bad play from Westbrook, even though the numbers were there, but we all saw what happened last year. Um, if you'd rather have Pat Beverly running your point, why would you trade Heald and Turner minus the expiring deal? Like I get it. Everybody, the expiring 47 is a big deal for a lot of people, but Indiana actually has a really good team. And I think you could get more from a different team with Turner, young Turner and young Heald is 29 Turner's 24, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think that's enough uh, to get uh, – I, I don't think it's enough uh, to make the trade for Russell Westbrook. Now, you were talking back, back – you know, let's let's go back a little bit. Patrick Beverly is now your, your top three-point shooter, yeah. career at 37%. Yeah. He went down last year because he's a, he's a very good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Yep. He is. Last year he went down because he did a lot off the dribble and tried to pull up a lot off the dribble, and that's really not his forte at all. Um, and you know, I wasn't like, this isn't like, uh, I know a lot of Clipper fans too are like, man, I can't believe Pat Bev did that signing with the Lakers. Like, yo bro, he doesn't owe us anything, right? Yeah. He's even with that whole tweet that he went at kind of went at Kevin Durant, like, yo, can you guys make up your mind? Cause some of us need a job around here. Teams are <laughs> seriously, can, can Brooklyn figure it out? KD, can you figure out where you're going to play? Because some of us really want a job, right? And it's it's not Kevin Durant's fault. He can do whatever he wants to take as long as right. he wants to decide where he wants to go. But Pat, there was some validity behind that. Mm -hmm. um, and this is so different being from a Clipper fan's perspective than what Montrez Harrell did, right? Like Montrez mm -hmm. stabbed us in the back. Pat Beverly is going to the his best opportunity, right? Now, do I think Pat Bev pushes the needle. I, I do think he makes you better, right? I really do. Defensively, you lack defense. If, if Russell, okay, 
in what world is Russell and Pat Beverly going to work in a backcourt though? Like right. where, th- something has to happen between them chemistry wise. Like they got to squash the beef quick. And from everything I've heard and read and know, like Westbrook has not, uh, has not let the beef slide since the knee injury in Houston years ago. Right. Yeah. And there's also beef with like, with um, I think the Lakers drafted Pat Beverly, if I'm not mistaken, or he was on the summer league team with them, got cut, went to Miami the yeah. same year that LeBron and, and Bosch and Wade showed up and rumor had it that like LeBron didn't want Pat there. And that's why it got, mm. why, why he got cut. I could be completely wrong on that, but that's just what I read. Um, I do think he's going to make you better. D- d- does it suck seeing Patrick Beverly in a, in a Laker Jersey? 1000%. It sucks. But there are a lot of pros to Pat being on your team. Now, there are also a lot of negatives, though. True, Drew. And the negatives being that, like, what Patrick did in Minnesota with the young kids is exactly what Pat Beverly is great at, right? Motivating people, letting people know their roles, uh, being being vocal, stepping into that leadership role and whatnot. And now coming to the Lakers, it's kind of a different story, right? You have your leader in LeBron. Your vocal, he is a vocal leader as well. Uh, Russ wants to be a leader. AD pretends to be a leader. He's not. Mm-hmm. I I don't think the vets are going to be as responsive or, or receptive to the way Pat Beverly runs a locker room. Like it's going to be cool for a little while until somebody's feelings get hurt, right? And mm-hmm. most likely it's going to be AD, right? And how are you going to, you can't check, like in the bubble, that's kind of with Lemon Pepper Lou and with Montrez and his personal issues that were going on, how Pat treated everybody didn't really sit well with a lot of people. And Pat kind of right. burnt a lot of bridges there, I think, with a few of our younger guys, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that uh, I don't think LeBron's going to, you know, LeBron's not going to take Pat Bev yelling at him or calling him out or, you know, uh, checking him during a game at all. I don't think AD is going to like that at all, but Pat Beverly is going to be Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook for goddamn sure. Isn't going to like that at all. Right. Right. Yeah. So this could either work out really. I think the only way it works out is if Russell's out of there. I think in, in a dream scenario, if they could get along and figure it out, I think it could be a really good backcourt. If you think about it, like you, 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 you let LeBron and Pat Bev bring up the rock and whatever you let Russ run wild, uh, Pat Bev can make up for Russell's defensive issues that he has and the rest of the team with the defensive issues. But I think the I, I know I'm going all over the place. I think the bigger part of this is now there are no assets on the Lakers. Like THT <laughs> was there's there's none. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is just Palinka in the front office going balls deep right now. Like, yo, this is the window this year and next year are the window yeah. for us to win. Do you think it's enough, though? No. Right. No, no, no. Um, I mean, and I think you started off by saying the biggest problem is something that I will continue to say until we change it. Patrick Beverly's our best three-point shooter. I mean, LeBron has improved his three-point shot tremendously over the years. And so I would say, arguably, he's probably our number two or number one three-point shooter is LeBron James, which, you know, 10 years ago, that would be a catastrophe. But now it's actually pretty good. He's he's, he's nailing those long balls of step backs. He's, he's hitting them with pretty much a decent consistency. But you need everybody else to be able to catch and shoot in those spots. And we still don't have them. Um, and if, if, you know, we're supposed to be excited about this guy, Max Christie, or Scotty Pippen Jr. or any of those like Cole, we got this call, uh, this kid in the summer league, Cole Swider, 
Swider, I think his name is. He looked pretty good. He was hitting a bunch of threes in the summer league. So, but those are guys that like you're hoping, you're praying that they can hit a catch and shoot three in an NBA game and be uh, competent enough to play on the other side of the floor as well. Um, you know, the big guy for, for this Lakers season right now, as it stands, obviously we've discussed the Russell Westbrook piece, Austin Reeves uh, will, will need to, you know, he'll need to really step up and continue his progress that we saw to him last year. And we're hoping that that, he'll be able to ride the ship and uh, at least provide some stability from the three-point catch-and-shoot perspective where he was lacking a little bit last year. He's very good creatively with the ball, off the ball, all that stuff. But he he, he was missing a lot of open catch-and-threes, the catch-and-shoot threes that I think he should hit this year. We need him to hit. But it's the filling out of the rest of this, the roster now. And I don't – I mean, <laughs> unless we start going back to some of the Lakers that were on our team last year that nobody wants – I don't know who we're going to fill out this roster with, which is why I do think the, the the path forward for us to have a competitive team this year is trading Russell Westbrook as it, as it has been this whole time. But now it's trading Russell Westbrook for the rest of those pieces that make sense, like a, a Buddy Heald, like a Miles Turner. But I agree. I don't know that Indiana is going to like jump at the chance to get rid of those guys just to have a, you know, uh, an extra bit of cap room next year like the year there's got to be a better offer somewhere else that's all i'm saying i think potentially what what could work is we get a third team or a fourth team involved in this and try and figure it out that way um but i don't know how we're going to do this and that's very scary because right now as i mentioned i think we have like nine (laughs) we have like nine guys on our team and and i think two of those are on two-way contracts so uh yeah man i i I don't i i mean we're going to sign jimmer for debt uh, you know, I mean, or what, where, where, and Carmelo's coming back. I don't know. You know, what, what is it that we're going to do to be a competitive team? Yes. I think we can potentially have a starting five and maybe one guy off the bench. That's pretty solid, but that's not enough to win an NBA championship, especially with at the rate at which all of our guys go down all of or, them. and I think what's going to happen if history repeats itself as well, Drew, is when you trade away those, young, those young talent, Every one of them thrives, right? Brandon Ingram thrive, Randall thrive, Lonzo thrive, Caruso thrive. Tht up in Utah just might this might be his opportunity, and we might see him be a twenty point a game guy, which we all know he could be. And it, I, you know, we 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 say Tht fell off last year, and he did fall off, but I think when uh, you know the more we talk about it it's difficult to play with lebron and be in that lebron and to play with russell westbrook and to play with guard like tht is a guard he likes the ball in his hands too so it's yeah it was a very tough spot for him to be in and succeed it just would have okay so it would have made more sense to me if the lakers tried to go for conley right like go for conley in utah instead of the pat bev i know the pride the ticket's a lot cheaper even though he's on an expiring contract too if i'm not or he has got this year and one more year left but Conley would have made more sense to me. I think, and and here's a question for you too, is obviously Pat Bev is insurance, right? In case the Russell gets traded or they choose to send him home. And a lot of talk is that like, this might, this might actually happen. Russell Westbrook might get John Wald or Al Horford and told to go home, which um, at this point, if I'm, I felt bad, I felt bad for Russell dog. 
I'm not going to lie. When I heard Pat Bev was coming, I, I felt so bad for him yeah. because I'm sure they didn't ask Russell Westbrook. Hey man, is this going to be cool if we bring in Pat Bev? Like they probably could have brought in 10 other guys that Russ would have been fine with minus this guy. Yep. And if Russ is who we think he is, who he lets us think that he is, I don't think he's, he's happy with this. I don't think there's been a phone call, I, but I do, from what I know about Pat, I do think Pat is perfectly fine playing with Russell yeah. Westbrook. Cause you, we're starting to see this man. And this is the other thing I wanted to bring up. Like Clippers and Lakers are going to see each other October 20th. Right. And, uh, we saw the theatrics with Pat against the, the Clippers in the playoffs last year. It's like WWF with him, all right? It's it's a show. I think there's going to be a lot of shit talking from Pat. I think he's going to try to we all like bro, you were at the wedding this year. We know you're best friends with everybody on the Clippers. Like we get mm-hmm. it. You don't need to be this guy doing all the theatrics. And the theatrics will get you in trouble. Right? We've seen it. So many times Pat Beverly pissed me off, you know, with mm-hmm. technicals when they're not supposed to happen, fouls when they're not supposed to happen. And I think that's uh, it, it's going to happen with the Lakers. It will yep. happen. But yep. do you think that Okay, you can look at this two ways, like either Rob in the front office brought in Pat Bev to just have another point guard just in case we need it. Pat Bev at the ticket he's at. It's a good one to have. Or do you think it's like, all right, Jeannie, here's my idea. Let's bring in somebody that Russ cannot stand. And then he's the one that walks away. So it makes us look okay. This is all going to be on Russell. Like Russell's going to want to walk away or demand a trade wherever, you know, wherever it may be. Or do you think it's a little bit of both? Yeah, I think it's both. I do. I I, I think the, the nice part about the Pepper, Patrick Beverly edition is that like there's a weird starting lineup where he can be in it as the two or the one, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like he plays along Russ. Then you have LeBron, AD and and whoever we want to put out there as, as the five to, to round it off. Um, and I think in that scenario, it's probably Damian Jones at this point. Um, or Thomas Bryant, one of those two guys. Um, and I mean, I guess you could you could squeeze Austin Reeves in there too, and, and kind of go small. But we we've seen that that doesn't necessarily work that well with Anthony Davis. So anyway, there is a, there's a starting lineup that could work potentially with Russ and Patrick Beverly in the backcourt. But I have to assume that in the back of the mind of everybody in the Lakers organization, that bringing in Patrick Beverly could have been a little catalyst to get. Russell Westbrook a little bit more pissed off. Don't you think bit... that's fucked up though, Drew? Don't you I think definitely it's think it's fucked up? up? I think it's I think it's super fucked up. All right. But I also think like, you know, I I it's hard to um let go of the past when we're referring to Russell Westbrook. But in this moment, I think he needs to just understand that whatever happened in the past, he should not carry with him into this season. Meaning, like he chose the Lakers. Russell did. And the Lakers chose him. Like it was that we obviously decided to, to make the move, but it's okay to admit when it's not working out. Right. And I think it's harder for Russell Westbrook to admit again, that a move has not worked out again, right. After Houston didn't work out. I've, I'll say it again. I thought, he, I thought actually the wizards were good, fine. It mm-hmm. was, it was probably a decent destination for him to stay at, but he jumped ship there and it's not working out here. So I just think it, sometimes it's easier to cut the ties, but it's, it's also like, easier to cut the ties when you think you have like a, a legitimate destination in mind, somebody that wants you. And I, I, I continue to assume that Russ doesn't think he he's going to be welcomed anywhere. doesn't think that he's going to, you know, immediately get a trade to a destination that thinks, here you go, Russ. Like, finally, we've been waiting for you. Here's the ball. Go, go grab it. You know, go take it, go, go average your triple double, go get us into the playoffs or whatever, whatever the scenario is. 
a lot of those teams that potentially would have been in that in that spot have either pretty good young players that are already occupying the, the point guard position that were recently drafted by those organizations or traded for by those organizations, like Tyrese Halliburton, for instance, in Indiana is a perfect example of what we're talking about. Or Orlando, they got all these fucking point guards down there. They like 12 point guards. Atlanta has centers. DeJounte Murray now. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just, there's not a lot of destinations that I think would go, let's have Russell Westbrook, even if he was, even if the Lakers were fantastic last year. You know what I'm saying? In a perfect world, when, when Russell was at his peak performance, I don't know too many teams that's going, all right, let's, let's get this guy coming over here and we're going to let him run the show anymore. So that's the tough part, man. And, and <laughs> if, if it is, um, in in the heads of Palinka and the front office and Darvin Ham and everybody, Genie Bus, that this could be a way to get him out of there. That's a hell of that's a hell of a move, man, shady <laughs> move, a hell of a move, Godfather man. move, man. But but at the same time, I think Russell Westbrook is justified in holding a grudge against this man that intentionally injured him. Oh, say what you want. I thought it was intentional, mm-hmm. but certainly the second attempt after Russell came back from his knee injury. The first game that they that they played against each other, he did it again, and it, it tweaked it again. It wasn't as nearly as bad as the injury for the first time, but <sighs> I would I would have a, a really hard time letting go of that. Uh, and I I don't I mean when 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 you're an NBA player especially and your livelihood is your legs, when someone when someone injures you and then shows no remorse and does it immediately again the next time you see them, I don't know if I could be teammates with that person. So yeah, I, I, I don't agree. Blame Russ. It also could be you know, to deflect blame. And I'm sure Laker fans or, you know, the, the general basketball public could say that LeBron's the one pulling the puppet strings and being like, all right, so, so we can deflect this off me and the front office. How about this, man? I heard Pat Bev was saying he wanted to come over here and play. (laughs) Why don't we do this and really stir the pot, right? Like let's really (laughs) stir the pot. But at the end of the day, I know we've talked about the Lakers enough, but at the end of the day, and this isn't me hating at all. I just, I still don't think it's enough. No. Right. I still haven't seen. And and now like it came out today or yesterday that like like Lakers are in talks with Donovan Mitchell. It's like, how the fuck are you going to pull Donovan Mitchell? I don't understand where this is going to come from. I don't care if there's three or four teams, let alone Utah does not want Russell Westbrook. And there's no way Spida doesn't want to go there. No, there's no way. Yeah, there's no way. So I don't see that happening. And I also think really quick, I think it could work in Indiana for one of those guys, maybe mm-hmm. you can pull the healed for Westbrook, but I think mm-hmm. one of the only two things you have left are those two picks 27 right. and 29. Right. Right. So maybe Russ and one of the picks to get buddy, but I don't see both of them. Yeah. And I'll just say this too. Like my thought on, on this in hopes that this leads to another trade. It, it's also not likely that that happens as much as I want it to be because THT was kind of the last young piece that we could have included to entice a team to take on Russell Westbrook, right? That's we it. Russ and THT could have been a nice package yes. for, for whatever, but now half of that's gone. And so as much as I want to say that this could still spurn a, a, a move away for Russell Westbrook, it's very not like, it's just not likely our draft picks are, are, are gone and our, our young players are gone now. So I, yeah, nobody I wants Kendrick assume. Nunn, Drew, nobody wants right. Kendrick Nunn and you're not trading Austin Reeves. You're not. Well, we might, well, but <laughs> we, we might. You can't say we're not trading Austin Reed, but we, we shouldn't. But, no, you know, that's that's been the last three seasons. <laughs> yeah, so, so from a Clipper standpoint, man, again, it, it's going to – it hurts seeing him be a Laker, but I get it. You know what I mean, Pat? I, yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah, and- I, I, 
I just think Minnesota should have kept Patrick Beverly. I'll just say that. Like, I think we're both in agreement. I think he should still be on the Timberwolves. Yeah, he got stabbed in the back, too. Like, you literally just took that team. You were the leader of that basketball team. I just don't think his leadership, which is one of his best qualities, is going to translate to the Lakers because I don't think they're going to be as receptive as some of these young guys might. Now, I think uh, some of the players will get a lot of value out of him. And, I, you know, I remember uh, when he was on the Clippers, it was either Rodney Magruder or or uh, uh, Mo Harkless. One of them was like, yo, we play, like, we get up and play defense when uh, uh, we go as far as Pat lets us or or helps us you know like yeah. he was a big motivator on defense but if you don't have a receptive crew i'm not so sure how that's going to work and not not to mention like this is pat bev this is 34 year old pat bev he does get injury prone you know this is uh there's i think i think it can work to an extent um but i i do think going back to how we started this whole conversation i thought it was really fucked up uh them bringing him in knowing the history between Russell Westbrook. I just thought, all I thought about was Chris Paul and Rajon. I'm like, yeah. how messed up, how pissed off would Chris Paul be, right? Totally. Um, but I also think he's going to vibe. I think him and LeBron might have a good little vibe for a little while until shit yep. hits the fan, until they lose 10 games in a row or something like that. No, I mean, it, it can be as simple as like LeBron or AD or Russ loses their defensive assignment in the first quarter and he flips out. It could be that. It could be that simple. That, that immediately ruffles the feathers of whoever he's going at. But I know for a fact, like you said, he won't back down. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron misses assignments relatively frequently. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. he'll just let he'll let something go. He won't rotate or he won't cover the baseline. He won't cover the help side. There's a couple different things that he just, you know, he Tom Brady's at this point, right? So uh, I, I don't think Pat's going to take lightly to that, but it's more about the relationship with Russ and, and Pat Bev when that happens because russ is the one that does it very frequently like russ loses his assignment defensively constantly and i i can only see it game in and game out that getting way too tiring and way too old for Russ to take especially from a guy who's they're trying to like mend and form this relationship as a teammate i can just see that getting tired super fast the greatest thing out of all of this were the memes for two days the memes <laughs> were some of the best memes i these guys are so smart man when they did the John Wick one of them shooting each other after practice, like that one was fucking oh my God. great, right? So funny. So I'm interested to see. I'm also really curious about October 20th, how Pat's going to act, uh, what it's going to be like. Uh, it's going to be, man, it's going to be tough. Because I saw how he acted against Minnesota or when he was with Minnesota against the Clippers, and he was just yep. reckless, just straight up reckless. So, um, so we also got some bad news this week, Drew. Uh, our boy, your boy, Chet. Number two pick in the draft is out for the season. Um, I don't want to say I'm not going to say I told I told you so or anything like that, but I'm mm-hmm. going to say this is exactly what I was concerned about. Yep. This right here is what we had discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my one concern was fragility. If is that even a word? Is fragility a word? It's got to be. It is a word. It's a word. Um, I was worried about him. Uh, yeah. And then the the first time he plays against LeBron, like a big boy, like a real <laughs> big boy. He goes down with the foot injury and look, I, it sucks, man. And I would have felt way better if it was a torn ligament in the thumb or, you know, a broken collarbone or something like that. But it, you know, history is not good to seven footers with foot issues right now. He's going to, no, it's not. And he's going to join the club. This could be a blessing too, man. This could be a blessing of, you know, he could join Ben Simmons and Joel and Blake and, you know, kind of Zion to that extent, 
of missing the whole year, his rookie year, and focusing on, you know, the weight gain, lifting, maybe yeah. getting acclimated to the travel and all of this. Yep. Um, it's a shame because we both wanted to see him play. And like immediately in our group chat with Douchebag John and, and the rest of the crew, you know, John was like, you know, the NBA is going to put a stop to Pro-Am. And I said, they can't put a stop. Like it's not in NBA san sanctioned games at all. But now maybe teams are going to be more vocal about playing in these Pro-Ams, right? Even yeah. though Pro-Ams are pickups and that's what you need. My thing with Chet, and I think Chet's the first dude in all my years of basketball that I saw literally play in every Pro-Am. Like he played, I don't think he needed to do all that. Right. I don't think he played in the Drew. That was the only one he like he didn't play on this year, but he was constantly playing in, in everybody's program. Maybe he played a little too much. Maybe yeah. going against LeBron is, is a different beast, you know, which it probably is. But yeah, th this could be used also. Um, I mean, look, we, we've been saying we're waiting for OKC to actually make a playoff run. Like at some point you have to use these draft picks and these these awesome, this awesome talent that you have on the team to actually win basketball games. This also can be like if I'm Presti, I'm like, all right, can we fuck up one more year? Right. Can right. we just blow one more year and tank for Wembo? Can we join? Can we yep. join San Antonio and tank for Wembo right now? Because then if you look forward to that, you're like, holy shit, what if they could? What if this actually happened and right. they could tank for Wembo and you have Wembo and Chet? and giddy and SGA. And then you're like, Holy shit. That's that might, that might be a real squad, but I, I, I'm, I'm upset that we're not going to see Chet this year, man. He was, he was one of the, one of the few guys that I was really excited to see in this year. I agree. And I, I will say like to the, to the point on whether or not guys should be playing in these, in these non non sanctioned NBA pro-am type of stuff. I, that's part of the game. You know, it's just unfortunate. Just like any time that any game happens, there's a chance that you're going to tweak something, chance that you're going to tear something. And that's just part of the game. And I think in particular in this play, this was just a very strange mm -hmm. play that that he probably he, he might have made that step just like that a thousand times in the last two years and no problems. But he makes this weird step trying to trying to do some sort of defense on LeBron in a fast break in a pro-am and then he comes down and, and, and his foot's hurting um that just really sucks man it's just very very unlucky but I think the silver lining you've already outlined it this could be a great setup year for for Chet this could be a really good add 10 to 15 pounds upper body focus on the food focus on getting your your you know everything ready <laughs> Uh, you know, especially, you know, for the time where he's going to have to be off his feet, you can get some, you can get some real upper body work in, you know, while you're seated, while you're sitting down. Right. Um, and of course you don't want him to like lose his, his shooting form or touch, which is what everyone's concerned about when you bulk up upstairs. But um, certainly this is like the worst news. I was very excited. I I'm hopeful that maybe, you know, he'll have some, some, really good progress on this injury and maybe maybe we'll see him in the back end of the season uh but most likely we're not going to see him at all this year and i do think that there's there's got to be serious consideration for what you just outlined as well for the for the oklahoma city thunder like why not at least put yourself in a position to make a trade for when benyama uh in next year's draft put yourself in a position where you can use your current draft pick, and then a lot of these other draft picks, or even use Shea Gildas Alexander as a last resort to get that guy.
because you still have Josh Giddy there who can run point pretty nicely. I think that's what people are most pissed off about too, is like yeah. we saw the glimpses of the chemistry between Chet and Giddy. Yes. And I think yeah. and Giddy made a really good effort to spend time with Chet and play with Chet this summer. And we got to see it. And I think that's the saddest part of it because, you know, you, you don't want to lose another year of, of, of Giddy of all this talent that you have, especially with SGA and not right. end up in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I agree. And my selfish brain goes, let's just trade Russell Westbrook back to OKC. We'll take something. We'll take a couple picks. We'll take. We'll, I mean, we'll give I've us, been saying that forever, Drew. Give me Lou Dort. Give me Lou Dort. Just give me that. I Dort's don't know, got dude. a deal I'll, now, though. Dort, Dort may got a hundred mil. Yeah, but forty-seven for us, dog. Like I'm good. I'm good. We'll take that. We'll take that on the on the exchange. Haven't you? Uh, I mean, we've said this, man. I thought the best case scenario right yeah. now: go back to a place where people love you. Yeah. Again, which sucks, Drew. I'm watching this morning while I'm doing my work on the computer. I'm watching this morning the 2012. Uh, finals with with the heat in in OKC and Russ had just dropped 42 and I think game one and I'm watching him attack hit floaters jumpers all of this and like wow man he was and we're talking 10 years ago I understand that's a long time in NBA years but go back to the to the place that you know brought you up that loves you that would embrace you and if you yeah. if the Lakers could get two or three picks back that would be enough for you yeah, absolutely. even just one pick and a couple bodies to fill out the fucking roster. You know what I mean? Like Poku. Yeah, I just, fine. Whatever, dude. Whatever it is. Honestly, I'd love Shea, but that's a pipe that's dream. That, that yeah. shit ain't that ain't flying at all. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, maybe, I guess. I don't know. But we don't have anything to give them on top of Russ, as we just outlined. Anyway, um, devastated for, for Chet because I think the kid has a mentality uh, he, he really seemed like he was raring to go. Right. And I just, I wanted to see him go through it. I wanted to see him go through the ups and downs yeah. of, of being that size in the NBA and, you know, having him be on some highlights where he's, you know, you know, saucing people up with the dribble or hitting a couple jumpers, what have you. And also the opposite side of him getting dunked on. I was very excited to see all these guys try and dunk on him. Uh, so now all that has to be postponed for another year. Uh, but I think Sam Presti, like summed it up pretty good when he was asked about it. He goes, if, if you had to give me the choice of between the first one through eight picks or taking Chet and having to wait a year, I wouldn't even let you finish the question. I would take Chet and wait a year over any of the other guys that were on the table. So at least he's outwardly uh, supporting the kid. He didn't seem to like condemn his play. Mm -hmm. I, at least I haven't heard any of that come out of Oklahoma City where they were like really disappointed or upset that he was playing up there. I mean, he was playing against LeBron James, so it's it's good publicity for Oklahoma City to have your number two pick going up against Bron in a fun, you know, social media driven type of game. Uh, so I, I think they're doing all the right stuff in Oklahoma City as far as like supporting the kid. But just a big bummer, man. And I do think that's, you know, that's one guy less that you have to worry about for rookie of the year, uh, which, you know, I, I do think Paolo or, or Jaden Ivey probably has a, a higher percentage going in now. OK, but even mentioning those two, it's like. You know, and Paolo played two games at at uh in Vegas and Jaden only got one in, right? So maybe there is a case for playing too much, I guess, in the summer. Oh, no, but Paolo was up there playing with DeJounte Murray. They had he, their whole thing. Like he was yeah. out playing some pro am stuff. They squashed just, the beef, Drew. They squashed I, the beef. That happened so fast. The beef yeah. that that was very it was like Wendy's. They squashed that beef so fast, dude. That was crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure DeJounte got a lot of backlash because, like we had said, like, man, I, I'm starting to really not like this guy. What yeah. the hell? Somebody somebody must have said, hey, dude, like, what 
what's what's happening right what's now wrong like, with you go go play call of duty and take out your anger on some eight-year-old in germany <laughs> um well hopefully i mean it worked for Embiid. it worked for blake it worked for yeah uh simmons to an extent so uh hopefully chet has a speedy recovery and we get to see him next year we finally yeah, get to he see could be a play. beast he could be 15 pounds heavier with the same you know dialed in skill set like it, it could be like the perfect way for him to start yeah it'll if, be the complete opposite if it works that way <laughs> it'll be the complete opposite of zion hurting his foot and him gaining yeah you know, zion 40 pounds. slim like, down like right. maybe chet That's hurting gone. his foot could gain 25 <laughs> pounds with this right yeah, somebody somebody uh, needs to ask Zion what was his eating schedule so that that he can pass that on to Chet. <laughs> um, all right, a couple more things, real quick. Like they got, I don't know who it was this morning, but they got uh, Brooklyn number one team in the East right now. I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fucking buying that right now. I refuse to buy that. And what a slap in the face to Boston, right? And Milwaukee. Is, and Milwaukee. Is anybody <laughs> watching what Giannis is doing right now overseas? Yeah. Just. Uh, how can how can you, as a journalist or sports reporter or somebody that works for one of these outlets, honestly say that you know what on on paper I get it. Like when you look at the team, I get sure. it. But come on, man, have you not watched basketball the past eighteen months? Are you buying this, Drew, or no? Uh, I'm not taking them on a bet where they're the favorites in anything. No, um, I am. I think Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, 76ers, Atlanta. Like, there's a lot of teams that are that are that should be strongly considered before, <laughs> before the nets, because they actually are teams that have players that play all the time. Yeah, right. That's a big part. That's a major part. And you have one guy who we, I mean, Kyrie, we know, you know, Do we? maybe no, but we know that maybe he'll play. Maybe, maybe there's going to be some games where he misses intentionally. And we know that Ben Simmons is actively trying not to play currently. He's, he, it seems like he's trying his best to, to stay on the sidelines. So yeah, man, until, Look, I, I, just just to play devil's advocate, if we see the first game of the season or, you know, within the first week of the NBA season, all three of them suited up on the court, starting playing 40 minutes, we we can talk about them being the best team in the East. But it's a it's a, a big a quid pro quo before that shit goes down. dog. Like we, I need to see. I don't even know what, what number Ben Simmons wears on the Nets. Do you, does anyone know what number he wears? Because I no don't idea. I think no it's idea. 10. Don't I think it's remember? 10. Because oh. we were doing Ben 10 and he took pictures mm -hmm. in 10, but I, but he, we never saw him wear the freaking Jersey in a game. So I don't actually know his number don't anyway. You, don't you remember the first game that Katie Kyrie and James Harden played together and they just dominated and were like, wow, this is something. Yeah, there's the first then, three games. They yeah. were, I think on this podcast, we were like, they have to be considered the favorites. If they're yeah. going to play like that. Right. Then, then no one's going to beat them. If they're going to play like that. <laughs> and then a month later, we're like, wow, this really isn't working. You know, <laughs> chemistry is such a big deal, man. I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of KD anymore. I, we have yep. no idea. This is why like when training camp opens and we see everybody on all of these teams in one place, we haven't even talked about Denver enough because they're coming back healthy again, which, and they're going to be scary in the West as well. And hopefully we could talk more about Denver on another show because they, they are really scary. Seeing what Joker's doing, What's going to happen with Porter? Jamal Murray looked nice in his runs that I've seen him in. But, like, until I see everybody in the building, until I see Russell and Pat Bev on the court together, until we see Kawhi and PG and these guys, like, I, I'm just so excited to see how this works out. I saw, uh, like, John Wall, Trey, uh, Kyrie, and a couple other guys were working out with Rico the other day at the Rico runs, and that was pretty cool to see. And these guys were uh, – John Wall looks great, guys. Like, John Wall looks – 
really, really good. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I'm excited. I'm excited to see everybody come into camp. I had some, I read something today, Drew, that I wanted to bring up. I thought it'd be fun for the show uh, because, you know, Bleacher Report sometimes to me is a, it's a, a crapshoot to see if you're going to get a good story or not. But they came <laughs> out. I thought it'd be fun to ask you. You and I could give our picks. They came out with the top 10 mm. most underrated players of the last decade. 10 of them. They didn't. It, it was 10 of them. It wasn't numbered like 10 to 1. So like you could. Put yeah, it's just, it's just a list of 10. Right. So I kind of I'm going to ask you, I, I already have my answers, like what I have here. And I want you to tell me yes or no. And if it's no, like, let's let's talk about why. OK, because okay. I, I also think that there should be more people on this list. I just thought it was a really interesting yeah. list that they came up with. OK. OK. So the first person they had up here was e- Enos Freedom. Enos Cantor. Freedom. Yes. Well, he's Freedom. Wow. Now. Well, he's- no, yeah, he's Freedom now. Yeah. Wow. OK. They, they had Enos Cantor up there as, a, as one of the top 10 most underrated players of the last decade. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a little stat for you, though. Because everybody does per 75 possessions now. So per 75 possessions, Enos Cantor, 19.9, 13.7. That's his numbers. That's, okay? that's fantastic. It's really good, but I said no. He's not. He's not the most under what a top 10 most underrated player. That's incorrect. Yeah. So, that's a no for me as well. Okay. So we both got no's on this. This one was a was a yes for me. They had Gallo, uh yeah. Danilo Gallinari, top 10. Most underrated players of the last decade, and I I am totally fine with that. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair point. He's an underrated player. Like Gallo Dude. is nice. Yeah, I mean for that for the ten years we're talking about the last decade. I mean mm-hmm. the guy's roughly around twenty points a game everywhere he's at, and does it very efficiently. So I'm I'm okay with that. He's a bucket and minus like I think our boy Mikey at official NBA Buzz posted like the exact oh. moment his meniscus tore in oh, the game the other oh, day. I yeah. did not need to see that. Yeah, I feel bad for Gallo because he's got a nice situation up there in Boston, and they're going to need him too. So I, I hope he can, you know, get that tidied up. Meniscus is pretty quick these days. It is. Was that three months, something like that? It could be. It could be sooner. It could be sooner yeah. than that. Okay, good, good. So good. Ho- hopefully he's back home. And, I like that. I like that Gallo pick. That's fair. We're both a yes on this. This one yep. was a no for. This is Rudy Gay in the past ten years. Ooh. Okay. Well, <laughs> I the, the answer currently is no, right? Because he's retired, didn't he? He, I, no, he's on Utah. He's on Utah, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did he? He wasn't involved in any trades, so he's still on Utah. Yeah, but my thing is like, and I've said this many times on this show. Prime Rudy Gay, yes. I wanted more than anybody like in the NBA on the Clippers. I did. Yeah. Prime well, this, Rudy Gay was phenomenal. Right. Post Prime Rudy Gay. <laughs> eh. Right? Is he underrated or is he rated properly, Drew? I would say I would say going back ten years ago, that probably puts him in Memphis still, right? 10 years ago? Yeah, have to be. I would say during those first couple, that Memphis run, he was good. He was real good. Yeah, yeah. But I I think, yeah, I think accurately rated currently makes sense. I don't even know how many games he played last year. So that's a weird one. But but I I can see it for the first, whatever, first four or five years of that decade. I would say that's fair. I said no. I said no, because (laughs) it's just like. You can't be one of the, I don't know, best, like one of the best players in the NBA at some point. Like he was a top 15 guy, right? Maybe top 20 at, for for a minute. Yeah. And then, you know, injuries happened and, I, you know, he's been a three and D guy, like plays good defense. Anyways, I have him as a no, but prime Rudy guys, prime Rudy was a beast, man. Yep. He was so freaking good. Now this is your time to shine, Drew, because I'm calling out your boy and I'm going to let you take this away. Okay. Next on the list, we got Danny Green as a top 10 underrated 
player of the last decade. Wow. I love it. I love, I love that Danny Green is on this list. He is underrated. I, so I guess this is the hard part, right? Is because like underrated is such a, a very broad terminology. It is. Uh, but I will say he is underrated per his contributions to the team. If that makes sense. He is so a here, very good role player. Like 100%. very good. Fills his role nicely. Yes. Certain nights. It's like, wait, Dan, where's Danny? Is Danny here tonight? Okay, maybe he's uh, maybe we'll just put him on the bench. But there's those other nights where he can win you fucking championships like he did in over his career uh, with San Antonio and certainly with the Lakers. He, he did a great job there and, and Toronto as well. So like three rings on three teams. Yeah, man. I just I have to say that I, I, I appreciate him making this list, but he is lower. He's like more in the in his canter. Like, I think they're both valuable. Danny Green and in his in his, in his freedom. Now, for for what they do, this, the the role that they serve, but like in comparison to Danilo or even Rudy Gay, I would say those two guys are higher up as far as their what they can actually do individually speaking. But I think Danny Green, if you need a guy to do the three and D role, you'd be hard pressed to find a better guy to do it over the last ten years. We've also seen some pretty bad games from Danny Green. That's as what well. I just said. Big time There's up. some nights where he's like 0 for 11. You're just like, oh, my God, what what, what happened? Uh, and I should have said this going into this segment, but yeah. how Bleacher Report did this was obviously from 2012 to 2022, at least 5,000 minutes by box plus minus and contributions on winning teams. Like that, these are the guys that they were going for. Okay? Oh, see, I, okay, so in that regard, I you would be hard-pressed to find a, a better win percentage guy, I think, than Danny Green. Like okay, the teams that fair. he goes to, they tend to do better. And I think it's partially due to how he helps support the team. Yeah, and he's a good teammate, and like people like yes. to play with him. So I'm actually with you on that. Yeah, I actually think he's properly rated. But then when you say three rings on three teams and being a contributor, it means a lot. So being, yes, being usually being one or two defensively on the wing, mm -hmm. like he was, he's usually guarding the the best first or second player that they have, and he's usually their top one, two, or three three point shooters. So that's that's a good contribution. Yeah, I thought they were spot on with this. I this is a hard no for me, and I. And, this next one i got they got george hill george hill huh. in the past decade okay yeah well and i, I mean i didn't wrote, i didn't write any notes i just put no <laughs> underrated i don't think i don't think he's underrated he's i don't think george rated. hill is i don't think george hill is underrated no mm -hmm. i do think you know those years in san antonio uh, milwaukee he's good yeah he's a good player mm -hmm. indiana he's good but i i think i don't think he's underrated no uh, then we got our guy. I know what this is going to be. Mr. Never single Joe Ingles. Uh, he's a oh, hard yes for me. Big time underrated player. Big time. That's that's that one's a firm. Yes. That's the first one on this list that I've been like, yeah, you can go ahead and stamp that one. We just move he, forward. He's actually he's number two on my list of yes. This dude is is okay. super under. I mean, look at Joe Ingles, guys. Cut from the Clippers. Makes a great home in Utah. Uh, hits big shots. Plays defense against big players. Elite yep. players. Uh, it's unfortunate he tore the ACL, but uh, never single, a.k.a. the Australian Chris Kringle, uh, Joe Ingles. We have yes, him. Sir. We have him as a hard yes. This one I did not understand, but there's actually numbers. <laughs> numbers that are going to shock you on this. Uh, they have James Johnson on this list. We love James Johnson just for the simple fact that he can kick kick the shit out of anybody in the NBA. Wow. He's like an 87th degree black belt. And yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What would you what, would you say yes or no to that? 
No, I no, no, I don't think so because again, he seems properly rated. Like I can't remember the last time he scored more than twelve points in a game. Okay, but here's um, the, let me give fun fact. Are you ready for fun go. fact? Let's see if we could persuade you. Mind you, per seventy five positions is where people go on now. Uh, the only players in league history who match or exceed all of Johnson's career marks for points fourteen point three, assists six six point six. Blocks 3.9 and steals 1.4 steals per game per 75 possessions are Vlade, Dr. J, and Kevin Garnett. Wow. How is that list even? That's, I mean, that's analytics working towards an argument <laughs> For there. For real. <laughs> For real, right? <laughs> that's when you create those lists that's like, wait, how is this? Like, who's checking the algorithms? How that's is the- this? That's the intern at Bleacher Report, the nerd yeah. that's trying to move up in the in the in the organization. Yeah. It was like, I got I got some fun facts for you guys. Let's throw James Johnson in here. I got some names for you. I I I, I appreciate the analytic support there, but still a no. That's a no. Yeah, hard no, <laughs> hard no for me too. I want to know if that would persuade you at all, though. I mean, the numbers are impressive. It's, no, that's very persuasive. But all those guys did it at much higher levels than James Johnson ever did. <laughs> I'm more impressed that Vlade's even on this list with Dr. J and Kevin Garnett. It's the assist. It's got to be the assist that, Vlade, that keeps Vlade up in That's there. what it is. Uh, here is my number one uh, that, that I have okay. on this list that would be my number. Do you want to take a stab in the dark? Do you want to take a, a, a stab in the dark on who do you think is the most underrated player of the last decade? A man that we have discussed many a times on here. A Clips favorite. Uh, one of Clip's favorites to talk about. Absolute it's killer. It's weird because I'm trying to like canvas through back to 2012. It's not a Clipper. He, was he ever a Clipper? No. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm not biased all the time, guys. Mm, there's too many names running through my head. Okay. Patty Mills. Oh, good. Yeah, that's pa- solid. Patty Mills. I just put hell yes. Cause Patty yeah. Mills is a straight dog. What a killer. Everything I- this guy does. And I, I, I actually see him very similar to the way I do Danny Green, right? Like you need the guy to do a role. He's going to fuck. He's going to do that role. And he's going to, you're going to, if we're talking about underrated based on like average salary, he's got to be included in that too, because he's usually a, a quite a bargain for what he, for what he supplies. Uh, if I'm taking Patty Mills over Danny Green any day of the week. If no, but it's just, I, I understand what your point is, but mm. each team doesn't need Patty Mills and each team doesn't need Danny Green. If you're a team that needs a six foot seven guy, Danny Green's a great guy. If you need, if you're a team that needs a, a shooter, you know, secondary. Wouldn't you rather guard, have Patrick? Wouldn't you rather have Patty Mills right now than Patrick Beverly? Would I, as a Lakers? Yes. On the Lakers? Yes. I would. I would rather have Patty Mills than Russell Westbrook, and then <laughs> Stop, keep Patrick Beverly. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we all know how Drew feels about Russ, man. I'm just saying, I, I, when you say it depends on what the teams need, I think every team in the NBA would take yeah. Patty would would like a Patty Mills. I'm yeah. not sure. Every team in the NBA would like a Danny Green. I don't know. That's just me. It is It is what it is. But Patty Mills is my number one. There is one – oh, no, there's two people left, Drew. Mm. T- uh, ten most underrated players of the past decade. They had – Bleacher Report had Paul Millsap. Oh. And my, I had a hmm. I put That's good. Hmm. I think that's a good one, actually. Uh, you know, he's an unsung, like, all-star level guy during those 10 years. I mean, like, the last couple, he's really fallen off as he's gotten a little bit older. But, you know, Atlanta – and uh, and Utah. Utah. I mean, those those, those t- stints for him were he was phenomenal. I mean, he was an all star at one point. So yes. it's hard for me to say that he was underrated while being an all star. Right. Like so 
that part's tough. It, it feels like he's been properly rated, but I will say that he goes under the radar a lot for a guy with that level of, of, of skill on, on both ends of the floor. And, you know, it, it sucks to watch him, you know, try and hustle out there for whatever the last two seasons. Cause he, he's, he's not the same athlete that he was, but man, Duke a hoop back in the day. And I'm, I'm with, I'm with that a little bit, actually. I do think though, like I'm saying, if we're if we're considering the fact that he was at one point an all star, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say that he was underrated because right. I think he was he was, you know, given that that award as a, as a way to properly rate him. But certainly all those other years, I think he only did it once. So all those other years that he didn't make an all star team, I think he was right on the borderline each time. And for the people that are on the fence, here's the 10 year stretch. I'm going to throw out some names too. in that in that 10 year stretch, eight thousand nine hundred fifty eight points. 4,435 boards, 1,629 assists, 825 steals, 605 blocks, and 523 threes. Only KD, Braun, Jordan, and Scotty are the only players to match or exceed that. Wow. That's amazing. Now, when you say that, that pushes you over the fence, right? It does. It does. Yeah. No, and again, I I think – we're just both like thumbs up on Paul Millsap as a player. Mm. But if like the exercise is, is he underrated? I would say certainly after the, after the Atlanta stint, when he was mostly in Utah, I would say that that's a fair, yes. that's a fair assessment that he but was he's underrated. properly rated right now. Like, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, if you're asking about LaMarcus Aldridge, you know what I mean? Like fucking LaMarcus was phenomenal. So right? good. Yeah. So good. So last but not least, and this one's, uh, this is a good question. I wish Jeff Crompton was on the show and I, I, I have this as a yes too. Otto Porter jr. Oh, wow. Um, underrated. I think, I think that is the, the, the that is exactly what an underrated player is, is Otto Porter. We have all these mm-hmm. names in here, mm-hmm. but like Otto Porter's a guy that could be on any NBA basketball team yeah. that they could use in any situation Kind of like a better, I think, a better Danny Green, in my opinion. Uh, just for the, I guess they both, they're like the same player. They're mm-hmm. really like the same player. But Otto Porter Jr. is like the epitome of being underrated player in basketball. That's what. Yeah, I think, I think that one, that one's more attributed to me, it, like based on his injuries, mm-hmm. right? Because he had a he had a rough couple of years where he just couldn't get it right, couldn't get on the floor, couldn't contribute the way that he normally would, and a couple lost years there in like Chicago and. Washington. Like another another place in there when Indiana was he at Indiana mm-hmm. at one point I, it's hard it's hard to remember where he was right and I think for that reason it's almost a no for me but then you look at what he contributed to the Warriors last year alone I mean certainly in in last season he was underrated without a doubt he right. was so he was so they're gonna miss him team. they're gonna yes, miss him they will miss him this mm-hmm. year for sure so that's the top ten list what do you think about that. That's a fun list, man. I do think, you know, they always handcuff themselves, these articles with a number like that, right? It's easier mm-hmm. It's easier for uh, human beings to digest a list when there's a nice round number like 10. But there's there's a, a whole shit ton of players that we didn't touch, like touch on that were underrated. Like, you know, I think if we if we boost the level a little bit, I would say DeMar DeRozan has been a very underrated superstar, Ooh. if like all-star level mm-hmm. kind of a guy for 100%. his entire career. His entire career, except for last year, where he was actually getting some MVP, you know, looks in the beginning of the season. But like, there's always going to be guys when you say a number at ten, if it's a number at twenty, a number at thirty, whatever the number is. There's always going to be a handful of guys that we go, they should probably be on this list. But all that, all that, I mean, all things considered, other than the fact that they started the list with Ennis Cantor, freedom, Ennis mm-hmm. freedom, I think it's a really good list. 
Well, in, in my in my humble opinion, I think the most underrated basketball player of all time is is Lou Williams. In my opinion, that's one. That's one of the guys. I love that. I just and and, and I know they're both Clippers, but like Jam, uh, Jamal and Lou Will are extremely yeah. underrated throughout their career. Just from the paychecks that they received, it, it shows how underrated they were. But like, mm-hmm. I think Lou Will is top of the list on that. So I think I really liked the Gallo. I liked the Danny Green, the Joe Ingles. Uh, the fun fact about James Johnson, Millsap. So, anyways, I thought they did a decent job. If they yeah. spent a little more time on it, it could have been a little, a little better. But yeah, I think I think the Joe Ingles one really encapsulates what I think of when I mm-hmm. think of an underrated guy, mm-hmm. a guy who plays you know decent minutes. His numbers are not exactly. I mean, I think Draymond Draymond Green also like another guy that could very easily have been thrown into that list. Yeah, but he makes twenty-seven million a year. It's right, kind of hard. Exactly, and he's also a very public figure, right? right? So, like, it's hard to underrate that guy. But I do think. Wait, are we allowed to mention Draymond on this show? Can we? Are, are we? Are we allowed to talk about? I think Draymond? we're do, we're doing it in a positive light. I don't okay, think Draymond good, would come down on us for this one. Yeah, we're not allowed but to talk about. Draymond. Anyway, I love the Joe Ingles one on that list. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, he's one of my one of my favorite players to watch. He just knows how to play the game. Well, you know, I have bad blood with Joe Ingles because he took out Kawhi Leonard on yes, my, my, my one championship run. Yes, Although we're winning it this year, Drew. So yeah. anyways, final thoughts. Give me some final thoughts, dog. Uh, all right. So, yeah, final thoughts. As we as uh, Clips mentioned at the top of the show, I did just get back from uh, the third annual golf trip with the homies that we created in the middle of the pandemic as a way to get us outside and get us all in the same uh, location because we're all kind of spread out now. Um, and we got to play Torrey Pines uh, for mm. all of those people that are Southern California natives. They'll know that course it's on the cliffs of La Jolla. It's phenomenal. It's right on the water. Um, How much is it around? Most... How much is huh? it around? How much is it around? It was two sixty five mm. when I played. Um, I do not live in the zip code that allows me to qualify for the residence card, which I think makes it like 95 or something mm. like it's a, it's a big savings. Uh, but needless to say, that was my, that was kind of like the Mecca for me clips of like golf locally. I've played a lot of golf in the state of California. Um, I learned how to play out in Palm Springs area. So I've been all up and down those courses, uh, like in the PGA West area and pretty much throughout Los Angeles. And as I've lived here in San Diego, I've, I've, I've hit pretty much all the courses that I could except for Torrey Pines. And this was so much fun, man. I got to tell you, I, I played pretty well. My goal going in was to break 90 and I shot an 89. Nice. I, uh, I shot a 42 on the front nine, which I'm very, very happy with <laughs> 47 on the back. The back nine is tough. That, that is a tough, uh, stretch of holes there, especially like, uh, 11, 12, 13, 14. Those are, those are difficult fucking golf holes. And so I will say it's up there as far as challenging, like that back nine is probably the hardest back nine I've ever played. Um, alongside like PGA West, the stadium course at PGA West that they play out there in Palm Desert. Um, but super amazing experience, dude. I hit it in the fairway on, on the first tee. And that's something that, you know, I don't know. For those that don't play golf, the first tee box anxiety is something that I struggle with, <laughs> uh, especially on a course like this. Like we had booked this reservation months in advance. So I knew exactly when we were going, I was watching YouTube videos of the, of the holes, trying to get like a sense of the course and the shape and all this shit. And then you get out there and it's time, right? Like you go hit your range balls, try and warm up as much as you can. And then you go up there. And I, a lot of times I will choke off the first tee. And especially here at the Torrey Pines course, we played the South course, which is the harder of the two. 
which is what the the PGA um, tour event is there every year, the the Farmers Championship, I think they call it, uh, Farmers Open. Um, it's it backs right up to the clubhouse, so we got a, a couple people hanging out watching, nice. just you know, killing some time or whatever, and they're watching us tee off and swing, and so I did it. And uh, that was a huge moment. I almost parred the first hole, but I, I missed a putt. But um, I just wanted to say Torrey Pine South for all the people that listen to this show uh, that that can make a trip and enjoy the game of golf. Um, do it. Please do it. It's worth it. I, I, I rarely say that it's worth the money, but this course in particular for 265, it is worth the money, man. I had a hell of an experience uh, and I was the best uh, the golfer on the, on the day. At, at Tory Pines of the group. So I'm, I'm taking that crown with me. Don't you own that crown? Isn't that your crown? Yep. It's, uh, it's three years running hmm. that I, uh, that I, but last year, I think last year was pretty narrow. Um, and I think the first year Mac max, uh, you know, our guy mm-hmm. mid Midwest max. Um, I think we tied the first year we were, we were neck and neck the first year, but uh, at least two, the last two years, I've, I've, I have the belt and the crown, so I'm taking it. It'd be fun to do a Clips and Drew golf tournament minus Clips because Clips doesn't play golf because Clips can't grip a golf club because I have nine fingers. But that would be fun to get everybody out and play golf. How cool would that be? I would be awesome. I mean, we can even get just get you out there for a par three contest or something so you don't have to play a whole 18. You just take a couple cuts. I'll drink the beer. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so anyway, man, it was, it was a blast. Uh, we did get to stay in Coronado. We also played the Coronado, uh, Island course, which is just an awesome public course right in the Bay there, uh, underneath pretty much underneath the Coronado bridge. Uh, and I did not do so hot that first round. Uh, I shot a 92, hmm. uh, on, on the opening day. And I was really nervous cause that we played the Coronado course on Thursday and then we did Torrey Pines on that Saturday. So like Coronado was like the warm up round and leaving that, I was like, Oh shit, I think, I think Saturday is going to be a tough day, uh, but you know, I, I I really focused up and I was very very concentrated. I, I birdied the fifth hole, which is a long par five, uh, and that one that's probably maybe the hole of my life. Birdying that hole was a really cool experience. Good for you, man! Congrats! I know you're excited to play there. Yeah, what a beautiful course! Good for you, Drew. Yeah, man. Because um, your golfing's gonna gonna slow down here once our season starts. So get get it all in while you can. Yeah. Um, my final thought's going to be quick, man, and I want to bring this up. We posted a picture that was released, I think we did it about a week ago, Brandon Ingram, right? Mm. Brandon Ingram looked like he crawled out of a gutter in New Orleans, right? Mm. Full beard, hair just fucked up, everything, right? And I was talking to our boy, Jeff Crompton, the other day. And I'm, you know, we made a little joke. A lot of people were joking about the picture. Cause I'm like, damn, looks like Brandon Ingram had a pretty intense summer. You know, when, when in actuality, man, Brandon Ingram was just locked in a gym all summer. That's yep. all this guy's been doing is hooping, right? He's not out, you know, at a Kendrick Lamar concert. He's not in the Bahamas. I don't see him at anybody's weddings. He's not on social media. He's not posting his workouts. This dude who, from everything I've heard about this guy is a gym rat regardless. Right. I think he got a taste of those playoffs last year. And I think this guy I'm making the call right now. I think this guy is going to have a crazy year. That's the shit I want to see. All right. I'm big on this, dude. I want to see the guy that's been locked in the gym all summer working on his craft. And I just, for, for it just, it made me, 
feel some type of way because that's what I want from my star athlete. I want the guy that gives zero fucks how I look, how my hair looks, where's my bling at, where's league fix at when I'm walking into practice. This guy obviously doesn't care. He doesn't care because all he's focused on is hooping and playing bad. He's not playing in any pro-ams. He's not doing any of that shit. So I was telling Jeff the other day, I just think this dude is completely locked in. And I'm expecting a huge year. And he's had a great career as it is. Mm-hmm. There, there's more to come for Brandon Ingram. We all know this. He's not even in his prime yet. He's still extremely young. Hasn't played a full season with Zion. And now he's got, you know, uh, he's got CJ. CJ and we, you know, got everybody else down there. I'm just expecting a really big season from Brandon. And I, I just wanted to get that out because a lot of people took the photo a different way. Like, like people were treating it like we're looking at Delonte West when the first time yeah. we saw him, right? That's what we're looking yeah. at. But if you're a real hooper and you know what Brandon Ingram's doing, like this dude is just, he's just focused. So I expect big things from Brandon Ingram this year. I just wanted to get that off my chest. I like it. I like it a lot. I think he's continued to improve. It's, it makes me sad a little bit watching him be so freaking good. Um, but yeah, man, I, he's a stone cold killer, dude. I mean, even Duke, uh, Lakers, uh, watching him continue to improve and get better. And, and honestly his toughness, I mean, this is another example of like why people shouldn't necessarily care about what Chet Holmgren looks like right now, Mm. because Kevin Durant's a prime example, but Brandon Ingram is also a prime example. Now they're not centers, right? That's the, that's the difference, but you know, those, those slight guys can figure out a way to still be tough. And I think, you know, for Brandon Ingram, watching him attack the basket the way that he does with his length and just his general offensive game is so freaking impressive. I'm, I'm pretty excited for the, the Pelicans fans to actually have a full experience this year. And, you know, big shout out to David Griffin, a guy that mm. at times we were like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. Uh, and we said it on this podcast, he saved his job with that CJ trade. Great, great job doing that, honestly, but also letting Brandon Ingram flourish and not squandering that asset along the way has been huge. I'm yeah, excited that- for Brandon Ingram. I think, I think he'll be strongly considered for an all-star this year. Yeah, I agree. And I think going back to talking about underrated players, I don't think Brandon Ingram gets mm. talked about enough. You know, that's what a I mean? fair one. That's a really and, good one. And maybe it's because it's small market and whatnot, but like, if you're a, true connoisseur of basketball and you watch enough basketball the kids got it man like yep. the only the only person you can compare his game to is like kd or like tatum right yep and so if you're compared and you're in that same sentence in class then you're doing something right so that's just an observation i had that's the kind of shit that i want to see and uh i'm really looking forward to seeing what he's got this year uh really quick tim donahy doc comes out tomorrow that's going to be great on netflix untold we're going to finally hear the story of this guy. I want to hear it out of his mouth. I want to hear what went on. Yeah. Uh, the, he's the ref that, you know, got banned from the NBA. That's coming out tomorrow. Drew and I are knocking out all of the shows we want. Check out Mo on Netflix. That was really fun. Uh, obviously, House of Dragons, bro. Like, that is, I am so stoked that this show is going on. Um, I, I am a throny. I know Drew is too. We oh, yeah. do have a little bit of nerd in us, but House of Dragon, that is where it's at. But either way, we will be back shortly. Hopefully with some new updates, we're going to figure out what the hell's going on in Lakerland. What's going on with the Clippers. Uh, We're going to start a fantasy team too, guys. If you want to get in on the fantasy this year, we're going to do it again. Let us know. Hit us in the DMS, hit us a slide into the DMS. Uh, It's the follow through clips and drew and we're ghost. You know what it is.